This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 433 for Thursday, February 24th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Alistair McFly is back. You can find him at Alistair McFly on all the social media that matters. And of course, Alistair McFly on Twitch and co-host of Long Range Sensors, a Star Trek retrospective podcast. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you for having me back always fun to be here yeah no it's a beautiful beautiful sunny day i know we don't talk about weather as a rule but it's just so nice to see the glowy ball of death in the sky i i did not know i genuinely did i have been waiting for almost two weeks for blinds to be reinstalled in my apartment (laughs) Uh, builders came they changed all the windows and they didn't put the blinds back and they kept promising to do it it's taken almost two weeks so this is like the first time i've had blinds so they, they are all shut throughout the house (laughs) Um, so i i honestly didn't know but having builders stood outside your bedroom your living room and just staring in when you're in a basement apartment Mm -hmm. um yeah it it wasn't doing my anxiety any favors i can i can tell you that no i've Um, had that opportunity to criticize my building manager uh when they were out uh i believe what they were doing was they were repairing the grout on the brick uh, outside the building uh you've been here so you know that some of my building is like mm. got a, a brick outside old school kind of like white beige brick sort of thing and so they're doing the the mortar i guess uh and uh i'm on the third floor so when you walk you know down the hallway and you see a head outside of your window you're just like um spider-man no uh like what like why is there a head and now part of it is this like i mean i have blinds in my bedroom i don't have anything up in the spare bedroom because it's mostly storage so it's like i'm not going to bother to put curtains or anything up there i do have curtains in in the main room as well um but that also has a balcony like kind of in the way so like someone is not gonna be pressed right up against the window uh in the main room but yeah like it's really unnerving in an apartment when they don't inform you (laughs) you know when uh and then you didn't say that i mean you didn't say that you didn't know they were coming but like i i was not aware that they would be cleaning the back of the building uh the mortar on the bricks and so i was very surprised to have someone staring in the window uh i can only my brain flipped to like well that was weird um i've got some thoughts about that and then my brain went to like i hope any of the women that live in this building are at least aware that there's workmen like climbing ladders and doing stuff now he wasn't looking in like he was doing his job but still like that's not that's not a comfortable comfortable situation and really all it takes is just like let people know shut your blinds today you know (laughs) that's all that needs that needs to happen but apparently it didn't i i would have liked to have had the opportunity is all I can say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have <laughs> blinds now, but they're. I have shut. blinds now. Yeah, um, they no longer fit the window, so they're actually way too in front of where the window is. Um, so 
although the builders have sucked at this, uh, the building manager has, has been very kind to say that they're going to actually get some new blinds for me that actually fit and they'll be installed properly. So this is still the temporary measure, but yeah, um, I get on well with my building manager, so I, I that I have that going for me, which is good. I don't have the best relationship because I they're just a larger company and I don't, I don't think they give two shits. Uh, I'm in an older building. I'm sure that this building is probably a money pit for them. And so they put all their money into the new buildings that they're building and they don't keep this one up as they should. Um, this is at least a 50 year old building. I, I, I just lucked out really on my relationship with my building manager because they hated the guy that was in here before me. He wasn't paying rent. He oh. left the place in absolute state. Um, and I was kind of their savior that <laughs> that was able to get him to get out and uh, and for me to take over. So we, we started on very good terms. You didn't have to raise the bar very high to be a, a, <laughs> liked, a liked tenant. <laughs> See, my, my beef is that um, I make requests. I let them know that things are not working or uh, I want things done properly. And then it doesn't happen. They just send whoever the the whoever and i don't want to belittle anybody that works in trades i'm sure a lot of you are very skilled and very diligent with what you do but the schmucks that they hire to do the work in this building cut corners left right and center and so i'm just like yeah i want you to come back and fix the floor for the third time because the people that you hire just are doing a shit job at it and mm. you know i've got nails sticking out or i've got you know i've got stuff like that that's just a problem and like i've just taken it upon myself to just fix stuff like I'm just, it's not worth the hassle to try and get in touch with the building manager. Like if something is, is, you know, something that I can fix on my own without damaging anything then, or, or making any like sweeping changes, then, then I just do it because it's just, it's just not worth the hassle or the time, uh, to deal with them. And it's a really frustrating experience because my, my beef is like, I'm on the other side of that, that spectrum. I'm not the new tenant. I've been here for 20 years. Uh, mm. which sounds weird to say out loud. Uh, I never <laughs> expected to be renting this apartment for that long. Uh, but as such, the chip on my shoulder is like, I have been a paying tenant of yours for 20 years. <laughs> like, do you want me to tally up how much money I've paid you over the last, you know, 20 years? Uh, I really feel like given the other problems that they do have with tenants, that they should win something the one time, you know, when I say like, hey, this is a problem. Could you really take care of this? You'd think that they would do it. You know, you'd think that they yeah. would say, hey, this guy's been here a while. He's a good tenant. You know, like he minds his own business, doesn't cause any trouble, pays his rent. Like, just just do your job. I'm sure that there are some. Now, that, now this does not apply to yours or mine, um, I'm sure. But uh, I'm sure that there are some landlords out there who just think, yeah, well, I've had somebody here for a while. But the great thing is, if they leave, I get somebody new who pays more. Yes. So sometimes retaining tenants isn't the most profitable method. And no, I, yeah, person, I'm aware of that. I'm yeah, aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, we won't get into it, the politics of it on, on the show, no, but like there yeah. are some changes that will be happening in the province in the next probably year or two uh, as the state of emergency with COVID is lifted where rent control is not a thing. And it's, it's an uncomfortable position to be in as a renter. Uh, and there's a, I mean, there's a whole series of podcasts that we could do about you know, rent and living affordability in Canada right now, but we won't, mm. we won't get into it. Um, but speaking of where we're living, uh, I don't really have a lot of stuff that's new going on, uh, in my life. Cause I've been just working a lot, but you, you have been a busy bee. I've been doing quite a few different things. The, the main thing being house hunting. Nice uh, man. 
I think I may have mentioned briefly that I was looking at that the last time I was on. I think you kind of touched on, I think you were at the, like the education phase. Like you're just like, yes. this is a thing that I'm going to do. I now have to learn how to do it. I think is how it, how it came about. Yeah. And, and especially to, to catch people up. Um, I was involved in a car accident where I was hit by a vehicle crossing the road and due to a, a legal settlement, I now I don't have enough to buy a house outright, but it's given me enough to start the process and to invest that money into getting a house. So obviously, I still have to get a mortgage and uh, and things. So it's it's not going to be cheap by any stretch of the imagination, even with all this. But um, I am in a fortunate position where I'm able to uh, afford to at least begin uh, getting hit by a car. Not the way that I would recommend doing this. No, this is this is not legal advice of any kind i know we can joke about it now but no yeah <laughs> it's, not, it's not an experience that's worth it at all <laughs> just to be clear um but yeah the actual house hunting process it's it's exciting it's very very interesting seeing how it all works because i'm this is completely new to me uh we yeah you know, i've never really had to do house hunting before um my Realtors actually just sent me a bunch of new properties this morning, so I've still got those to look forward to looking uh, after the show. It's also very confusing. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, there is a yeah, there's a lot to it. Trying to figure out the finances and how all the different taxes work, all the different bills, all the stuff that you have to pay to the province um, and, and things is is very very complicated. And I come from the UK. Houses are built very differently there. So most houses just are heated with radiators and there's usually a gas boiler. Um, you'll tend to find that in the controls for it, usually in your kitchen. I remember you sending me photos. I thought that was weird. Yeah, they're either they're usually out on display um, against the wall or, or they'll be hidden in a cupboard. You know, you'll just open it up and you'll, you'll get access to that. And... Yeah, that's kind of like, that's how we heat our house. But here there's heat pumps, you have uh, stuff heated by oil or electricity. There's, there's so many different uh, styles and, and ways of doing things. So I'm not just kind of going like, oh, what, you know, how many rooms do I need? I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do these houses even work? And each different type comes with its own pros and cons and costs and, uh, and, and so on. Um, so yeah, it's... It's it's as fascinating as it is confusing. The only step that I've taken in this direction to even contribute to the conversation was looking into how to get approved for a mortgage. So not getting one, mm. but like looking at my financial status uh, yeah. and difficult. Um, so my, tip of my hat to you, it's difficult as an individual, like, you know, not a, a couple or, oh, or a partnership yeah. or anything like that. Um, so it, that's hard. Um, but for me, it's it's the debt to income ratio and how the credit score was calculated, and that to me was mm -hmm. news. I I didn't I like I had I knew just kind of like from my income over the years and years as an artist, going like, well, I know I know I can't afford one, so I'm not even going to bother to look. But then yeah. as I got older and I'm starting to plan for the future, I thought, okay, well, now that I'm in a position where I can plan, I should know what to plan for. Like, what's my target? Like, what should I be aiming at? And so I had a meeting with a mortgage specialist. Uh, I think I'll probably go with a different mortgage specialist in the future, but they were the one that was a free meeting with my current bank. Uh, hmm. And um, having spoken with them, uh, they went through the basics and I know now where I have to be. And that was eye opening. And 
I think probably it was the the right time to ask because it wasn't a, it was a basically, no, you're not in a position now where you can afford it, but like, here's, here's the steps that you can take to get there. And when I looked at the steps, it's like, okay, that's doable. If I had asked 10 years ago, it would have been just like, nope, <laughs> just a great, yeah. great big no. And it would have been really discouraging. Right. So at least yeah. when I asked, I was at a stage where like, okay, well, your gut reaction to this wasn't so far off. Like you knew you probably couldn't, but you didn't know where you were in terms of how distance, you know, how, how far away was this target? And it's not as far away as I thought it's farther away than I'd like it to be. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's just the, the, we'll say the freelance, the gen, well, not everybody, but the general freelance plight is like, you don't have the same sort of financial stability that someone with a nine to five would, you know? Mm, no, absolutely. Yeah. If you do need a mortgage broker, I, I can absolutely recommend one that was yeah. recommended to no, me. No, I'm sure. Uh, he helped me from his hospital bed. What? <laughs> yes. Oh uh, he, he was actually like, please ask me questions. I'm dying of boredom here. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he was in for wow. some cardiology tests of some sort, but no, he, he is fantastic. He's, he's, uh, he's been able to break things down very simply for me. And uh, yeah, cool. it's, it was just great. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, um, yeah. you are a Canadian resident, but not yet a citizen, correct? Correct. Yes. Does that complicate the matter? Not in the slightest. The only cool. difference, literally, this is the only difference you get as a citizen versus permanent resident is um, as a permanent resident, I am not allowed to hold a Canadian passport. Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure if somebody hands me one, I can physically hold it. But Yes, I mean, I you can't, can't, you can't yeah. call it your passport. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and I can't vote. Uh, if I do, I get fined heavily and I've been assured that there is not a single... Uh, politician that is worth the amount that i would have to spend so um that's the only differences other than that i have no limitations when it comes to uh, the the residency thing the only other thing is that if i leave the country i have to take this residency card with me mm. uh, which can expire so i do have to like i can stay in the country as much as i want because i'm permanent but if i leave i have to make sure that that is valid otherwise they won't let me back in right and that's when you have to renew every few years so i, yeah. I don't even know if mine's expired yet or not while I didn't have a lot of new stuff personally this week, uh, work-wise, had a really fun episode of the Spawn Chunks on Monday. We interviewed Sliced Lime, who is the tech lead for Java Minecraft at Mojang. Uh, I have been, I will say, online acquaintances with Sliced for a little while now. They tend to be streaming when I'm streaming, so I, I raid them quite often. Uh, and uh, had a delightful conversation uh, with them about some really technical stuff about Minecraft, uh, about the process of making Minecraft behind the scenes. And uh, we also spent the a good chunk of the episode discussing the Deep Dark Snapshot, which is a new new thing coming in Minecraft 1.19. We're currently in 1.18. Uh, but 1.19 has got this Deep Dark and the Warden and all this kind of stuff. And because Slice Lime wasn't really heavily involved with developing that yet, it was all kind of new to him as well. So it was, it was fun to have that conversation with someone from, from Mojang. So I highly encourage people to go check it out. If you're a fan of this podcast and you like Minecraft, or if you know someone that likes Minecraft, they will more than likely enjoy the, the curtain being pulled back a little bit on like <laughs> how they add new features to the game and the technical considerations and the huge undertaking that was uh 118 and all that kind of stuff. It was a really fun episode. I believe it's 181 is the is the number of the episode it's the most recent one it came out on monday so so go check that out um but that's that's the nerdiest thing that i've been up to really um anything else going on in your 
in your neck of the woods? I've been planning for a new hobby for the summer, uh, which is going to be repairing and refurbishing old Nintendo Game Boys. So not just one? No, multiple. Uh, I uh, I actually I, I started out by watching um, a, a channel which I've, I've seen a few times before called Odd Tinkering on YouTube. Phenomenal channel. Also, if you love ASMR, it's a great series for that because it's a guy who he never shows his face it's just his hands and he's he does some excellent cinematography showing the things he's fixing uh, sometimes it's computer stuff sometimes it's old mechanical things stuff that's generally rusted up to all hell and looks completely unrecoverable and he somehow restores all these things uh, everything is described through subtitles and there was one that i was watching where he was repairing a nintendo um, it was one of the joystick, I think it was called the Advantage, the NES Advantage. Yep, I remember that. And uh, yeah, and I was just amazed at how well he restored it. And it's like, you know what? I've always wanted to do things at a soldering component level um, and trying to come up with something to do other than make the timer replica from sliders, which to me is like the holy grail of what I would want to build as a prop. Um that's just way too advanced for anything that I would be doing. But this was just like, oh, this is actually a way to get into that. And repairing something is going to be a lot easier than just trying to think of something to build and create from scratch. And I just started watching more and more of these videos and learning more about stuff that went wrong with Game Boys, different ways to fix them. And there's something quite satisfying about taking something that is a 30-year-old piece of technology, which is also very well documented as well over this time uh and and renewing it and given that it's you know then a little bit uh, younger than me you know i think you know you kind of think you know if if something from 30 year olds can be patched up maybe somebody could patch me up too <laughs> um how would you take the soldering <laughs> do, do you think that do you think that that would hurt a little bit it's like someone's like say so, <laughs> i can fix you up alistair no problem i'll just connect this wire <laughs> to the you end up looking like geordie laforge or something from Star Trek. <laughs> uh, that, that wouldn't be too bad you know um but yeah it's i so I, i've i ended up kind of having to buy you have to buy a lot of equipment to do all this Right, so like I've had to get a soldering kit. I've had to get a, a, a special mat to protect everything. I've had to get a fume extractor so that I don't get lung cancer. Uh, you know, Jeez. important things. And going into a hobby where it's got this much of a cost up front when you've not even tried it yet, I am taking a bit of a risk. Mm. But um, I, I've got myself a soldering practice kit. I was trying it the other day. I sent you some photos of it as well, uh, and I'm really enjoying the feel of it. Uh, and I decided to get a practice kit so that I don't destroy my Game Boy, which I, I bought recently. My, my, my one that I had as a kid is, is since long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got one that I got which was mostly working with just a little bit of things that aren't right with it. Uh, so like the display isn't great. Um, uh, the, it's a little bit dirty and discolored, you know, and, and stuff like that. Contrast doesn't work quite so well. So I'm going to be fixing that up and making it as close to original as possible, but with uh, with a USB-C rechargeable battery for convenience sake. Nice. Yeah. I don't know what happened to mine. I had an NES. I had a Game Boy. I had an SNES. Hmm. I don't know what we did with them. I, I'd imagine they probably got packed up into a box at some point when I moved, like as a, as a teenager, because we moved house a couple times. 
And I think in high school, I wasn't using them. So they probably just stayed boxed up, but I don't remember selling them or, I mean, the, the NS, the NES might just not work anymore. Um, well, in, in a year's time, you know, let me know. And yeah. if it's not working, maybe we I'll can, be able to patch that up for we you. Can <laughs> we can figure that out. Um, yeah. Cause I've, I mean, I've often looked at those little, those micro SNES things that they have for like 150 bucks or something like that Canadian. Mm. And it's just a, it's basically like a little set top thing that plays like 50 games or 20 games or something like that. Um, yeah. But they would be all the games that I would be interested in. Mario Kart, you know, Super Mario World, uh, some Double Dragon, some Street Fighter, like just that kind of stuff. And I mean, yeah. I say that and I can probably play a lot of those retro games on Xbox Game Pass at the same time too. But but still, that would be, I don't know even where those are. There's a box in my in my closet that's labeled Joel's Train Set and Lego. And I know roughly what's in there Lego wise. There'd be a couple of pirate ships and stuff like that, which mm. I think are missing pieces. So to go and build those on stream, which would be really cool. Um, I know that I'd reach a point where like, I'd probably be missing a piece or I know one of the masts is bent. It was too close to the wood stove and the heat from the wood stove like melted the mast over. <laughs> so oh, no. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you can replace them. Like they're probably, you can buy parts like that online for like, yeah. but but still, like um, having old electronics, like I, there's a lot of stuff that I've had. Now I know where my old iPhones are, like my old, like the modern devices that I've had as an as an adult. Um, mm. They've either been taken to and properly recycled somewhere, or they're in a box waiting to be brought to recycling. You know, uh, having been wiped and restored and all that kind of stuff. But like. I find now, like some of my devices just last forever. You know, like I. Mm. Um, I have a DVD player back when having a five disc carousel DVD player was a cool thing. <laughs> uh, oh, wow, yeah. It still works. I just don't need it. And and that's the thing, like having something like a Game Boy, like functionally, it's obviously not any way near as good as like a Switch, but the nostalgia that's tied around that uh, is what's making this a lot more appealing than just kind of going, let's go for something that's more recent and, and repair that. Um, I, I also have three more on the way. Um, they were in a listing where there's two original Game Boys, and there's also a Game Boy Advance in there. And they were listed on eBay with the description, unspecified issues, uh, which is probably something I should put on like my dating app profile, maybe. <laughs> um, but you know, I have no idea what's wrong with them. So there's also going to be a lot of fun trying to figure out, like, is it that they don't turn on? Is it just that there's no sound or, or whatever? Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So that, that's that's definitely going to be my my new hobby and time filler for the uh, for my downtime during the summer. Nice. Uh, odd hobby to pick up during the summertime. You think it would have been more of a winter hobby? So, well, I mean, it's kind of starting there, but it's it's taken... It takes time to get these things to arrive right. and, and things. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm calling it a summer hobby. It's basically like that's when I'm really going to be kicking off properly with it. But then oh, hopefully by the time next winter comes by, I'll be a lot more proficient with it. Um, I'm going to be the ones that are coming, depending on the condition, I'm looking at upgrading them as well. So one of them, I want to put a backlight on the display. Another one, I actually want to replace it with a, a new IPS display. There's a whole bunch of mods you can do. And who knows, maybe at some point it'll be a case of, you know, fixing up other people's or doing custom ones to order. There's already somebody at work who's got a Game Boy Color that doesn't work. And she was like, hey, if you're doing this, could you take a look at it? That's cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be something uh, fun 
Well, I'm a little bit more skilled by the time yeah. winter actually rolls around. I think practical skills like that are things that I wish that I had. And uh, a lot of the things that keep me from doing things like prop building or or like cosplay stuff. Uh, one, I don't have a lot of space in the apartment for a workshop. Like I've got a studio, mm. but I'm mostly a digital artist. Like there's not a lot of mess going on. And even when I was doing traditional, it's like pen and ink. So it's not like I'm painting or anything crazy. Um, yeah. so the lack of a space to do like, you know, foam, like glue gun stuff, like it gets messy. Uh, yeah. and also like, I know that I would not just want to make like something out of foam. I would want to have like LEDs and I'd want to have like <laughs> lights and motors and like, I'd want to do some cool yeah. stuff of which I know nothing. And I just think like, I'm either going to have to learn how to do that myself or buy it at which point it's less of a fun hobby because you're buying the components, you know, rather than making them yourself. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll point people towards um, Punished Props on social media and on YouTube. Um, old friend of mine, Bill Duran, that I met through podcasting, uh, he is a prop maker professionally, uh, uh, along with his partner. And and they, he, they do such cool stuff, such cool stuff. And they nice. make it very approachable. And, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, and I don't know, he had a background professionally in video, hence his YouTube channel, but... Mm. But I don't know if he had a professional background in any kind of like electronics training. I think he had to learn all that kind of stuff himself. Uh, so um, that kind of stuff is always, you know, it's doable. It's, it's absolutely doable. And you forget that you can get this kind of starter kit education, you know, on your own. Like you don't have to have gone to school for like electronics to know how to do it, right? I mean, it's only because of like the age of YouTube and, and stuff that I'm now able to do this. When I was a kid, I wanted right. to do this. It wasn't mm -hmm. a course that was offered at my school. Um, and so now it's a lot easier plus getting things shipped globally like i couldn't buy this stuff locally where i where i was as well um but one bit of advice that i'd, I'd probably that i'll pass on that i learned from watching adam savage and his tested series on youtube is because the price of entry for a lot of this stuff whether you're doing you know component stuff or if you're doing um cosplay or whatever it is uh, and prop making Price of entry is really high when it comes to just the equipment. It's so cool seeing people go, oh, you can build a lightsaber for less than $10. Yes, but you're spending hundreds on the equipment in order to be able to do so. Right. He was saying the best advice that he could give was get cheap equipment. Get the cheapest you can find. Learn how to use it. Find out if you enjoy using it. And if that is something you wish to pursue, then buy the best tool of that type that you can afford and it will last you for life and that was his kind of advice and so that's the approach i've taken with this i've gotten very cheap soldering equipment but i've got a range of things and as time goes on i can always upgrade to something a lot better but i at least have the basics that i need just to get started and i think if anybody's kind of going into any kind of prop making or or if they want to do refurbishment of electronics or anything like that. It's just, uh, I think that's just brilliant advice from Adam Savage, really. I agree. Uh, I've done something similar with kitchen stuff. Like to cook. I'm not a professional mm -hmm. cook. I'm not spending hundreds of dollars on chef's knives. But um, like I bought a cleaver recently. Super cheap. I like I, all I wanted to do is if it's, if it's something that can stay sharp and hold a decent edge for long enough for me to like demote a chicken then great. 
Uh, if that's something that I end up doing a lot of the time over the course of the year, I'll buy a nice cleaver. But if it's something that I use once a year, then like, I'm not gonna, not gonna spend a lot of money on it. And it's a good yeah. philosophy. And I've, I've had that, um, that conversation with young artists as well. Like, you know, what pens do I buy? What paper do I use? You know, like the pens and paper you use are the stuff that you have accessible. Like, you know, that's if they're not even doing digital stuff. And I guess mm. r right now that conversation goes like, you know, what app do I download? Like what, you know, do I spend the $80 a month on the Adobe creative suite? And I say, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are lots of apps that I see professional artists use that are under 20 bucks, you know, for, you know, uh, tablets or for, you know, uh, windows computers that have like touch screens or, or like whatever it is that you're using to do your artwork with, like you can buy apps that are way more affordable once they're not subscriptions, you know, you can just get the one thing. And if mm -hmm. you're at a level where like, and a lot of times these questions come from like, like late high school, early kind of early adulthood artists. Like if you're in a position where like, that's all you need to spend, that's awesome. That means that if you do anything professionally, then your business wise, your output is, is, uh, and your earnings are a lot higher than what you have to spend on equipment. Right. And like, yeah. Why bother spending stuff on Adobe? I mean, I do because I need the the suite for what I do, but um, with the video editing and uh, podcast editing and stuff. But like for for regular artwork, I don't think these days, right now, I would be using Photoshop. I yeah, I'm I'm using uh, one called Pixelmator. Yep, uh, mm -hmm. which is a Mac only, but yep. it is a fraction of the cost, and it is so much nicer to use. Uh, I, I I prefer it way over Photoshop, and even for people on a budget. There's even open source options like GIMP, which is yep. free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it had a bad rap at first, but it's fine now. Like it's, it does what it does. It's a it's, very mature app. It's been yeah. around for a long time. A long time. And especially if yeah. you're doing things like, you know, for like, for example, I think when I think of like the things that you and I have talked about in terms of graphics, you're creating mm -hmm. like stream overlays or YouTube thumbnails or stuff like that, like, or, yeah. or podca podcast artwork for, for long range sensors. Like yeah. you're not creating professional client, you know, <laughs> advertising media, you know, like yeah. you're doing yeah. stuff for yourself. You need to move some stuff around, crop it and export it as a certain file type like that, that kind of stuff you don't need Photoshop for. I yeah. use Photoshop for that still. And I feel guilty about it because, because <laughs> I, because the, the graphic demands of my other media work are not the same as graphic demands of any kind of professional artwork that I do. And so I mm. use when the time comes, I'm glad that I have Photoshop and a lot of it is just muscle memory and it's a program I know how to use and switching at this point is honestly more of an uphill battle than you'd expect. Um, yeah. but, but then, uh, the rest of the time when I'm doing like artwork for this show, like it takes 10 minutes. Now I don't think it takes 10 minutes because it's Photoshop. I think it takes 10 minutes because it's a simple thing to do. And, <laughs> and, uh, I could do it in other, in other programs for, for sure. So moving on into the email bag this week, we have an email from Alistair. No, not this one. Uh, what to watch next. Dear Joel and Alistair, I recently forked out the eight euro for Netflix. And the first thing I did was watch the entirety of the Jurassic Park series for nostalgia. It was the first sci-fi film I watched that infected me with sci-fi-itis. Then I realized I don't know of anything else I wanted to watch. So I scrolled through and found The Hunger Games. Six hours later, I had watched all three of them. They're amazing. I thought there was four, but maybe they're counting the the part two and part three of the, or part mm. two, uh, one and two of the last one as, as one film. Uh, now I'm watching Spider-Man. However, I don't know what to watch after. 
my criteria are sci-fi slash fantasy or action, PG-13, and I don't mind bloodshed, etc. Uh, thanks and keep it up. Alistair. Yes, I know. <laughs> this, that's what they, they put in there. Uh, and I'll point out to our, our listeners that can't see, uh, this Alistair has uh, A-L-I, whereas our Alistair is A-L-A in terms of the yeah i was looking spelling. at it it's like it's very clear when you're reading the email as to <laughs> yeah which one it is but yeah yeah i thought that was pretty funny uh well the first thing i'm going to say is which spider-man are you watching on netflix because if you're watching like the old toby Maguire uh one uh series i'm going to say watch spider-man one and two and don't watch spider-man three you will just save yourself a lot of anger and a lot of confusion uh, <laughs> i liked the amazing spider-man with andrew garfield I would recommend those. Uh, I think there's two. Um, yes. So yeah. check those out as well. Second one, not the best, um, but the first one was great. Uh, so I would, and I think those would be important viewing if you're going to continue on and watch Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man No Way Home is not on Netflix, at least not yet. Um, but that only just came out in December. It might even still be in theaters. It is still in theaters. Is yeah, it really? It's still God, doing very well. Yeah. Did, did you, have you seen, this is a bit of an aside. Have you seen the interview with uh, Tom Holland where the interviewer is informing him that he is the second highest grossing movie in the US, I think second only to Avatar or something like that. And he is just like, what? <laughs> like, where, <laughs> where is this movie in terms of stats? Like, he knew it was doing well. But when the, the stat came across the interview is like, you are one of the highest grossing films in America of, of all time. He was just like, that's pretty cool. I, <laughs> I, I have not seen that. But I imagine he's probably got the same expression on his face that I have. Yeah. Um, no, he was, and, he was pretty thrilled. But when, when I saw, because I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, we, we usually go to the cinema together um to watch a lot of these these kind of films and she wasn't able to because of covid restrictions and stuff and then finding out that it's still at the cinema on quite a big run still like it's not dwindled in terms of the showings they still have plenty of them it's like this thing must be doing phenomenally for it to still be holding up where it's at in in the the box office i'm gonna have to go yeah. see it I'm, I'm, oh. I've, I've had a couple of spoilers, but people are being pretty good about it online. The, the people that I follow that are Marvel fans and talk about this kind of stuff are very good about saying like, okay, Spider-Man spoilers in three, two. And I'm like, click, <laughs> gotta go. Yep. Uh, yeah. but I mean, I've seen some images that just don't give you the warning. So I, I've seen a couple of things that I know yeah. what's happening. Uh, Although I have the, to say the images was like a behind the scenes thing. So it didn't have any of the, like, it's a green screen shot. So like, you really don't know what's going on. Uh, it's just you see people and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, <laughs> but still, yeah. you see the people in the shot. So I'm I'm going to have to try to go to go see it if I if I can. Definitely, I I saw it opening night and then I got it spoiled. Like the the following mm -hmm. day, there was mm -hmm. the biggest scene as a thumbnail on yeah. YouTube on the front page. But um, it is uh probably one of the best Marvel films I've seen so far. So I don't know how to do this without confusing you. So, uh, Alistair with an eye, uh, to to send you down your path. I would continue watching the Spider-Man films. Keep on going with the two Marvel mm. ones. You don't need to have seen the other Marvel uh, movies. 
I would recommend the Marvel movies, but unfortunately the smattering of Marvel on Netflix is kind of hit or miss and definitely not in the right order. So you'd be better off to try to find them on Disney Plus if you don't already have access to that and watch them there. Chances are if you're a sci-fi nerd, then you probably have seen them unless you've been living under a rock for the last <laughs> 15 years. Um, but uh, I would be embarrassed if I didn't let you know that Star Trek The Next Generation should be on Netflix in the UK. I believe that's where it is because that's where it is in Canada. I can watch or, or do I have that backwards, Alistair? No, no, no. They, uh, Netflix do have um, have Star Trek outside, basically outside of the US. Yes, uh, US is paramount, right? Um, That's the... they, they, have, they have everything up until, I believe, Enterprise. They might still have Discovery, I'm not sure, uh, in Canada this is. Uh, but all the new stuff is otherwise on Crave um, and the, the sci-fi right. uh, channel that they, they so... have. The reason why I bring that up is because even though the UK and Canada and Netflix are going to have some differences, we're going to have a lot more similarities than the UK is going to have with the US as far as what's yeah. available. This is also eight euros and it's euros aren't used in the UK. So I'm not sure which uh, region this right. Alistair is okay. from. I guess so, I should say. Um, any, essentially any recommendations we make, it could vary depending on what territory you're actually in. Right. And so a lot of my recommendations are actually Netflix properties. So they're going oh, to be there. Like it's, yeah. it's that, that's an <laughs> international, that's Good an international um, certainty. Um, I yeah. actually forgot to look up the rating for this, but Stranger Things was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, mm. Great sci-fi. It's a sci-fi horror, sci-fi thriller, but, but I would say uh, check out Stranger Things, the series. So again, these are things that are going to last longer than just a two hour film uh, to Get into some of the more um, safe stuff, the stuff that would be PG-13 or better uh, in terms of uh, uh, a nicer rating. Uh, the Dragon Prince is an excellent series. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is on there. The Legend of Korra is on there. The Dragon Prince is made by one of the showrunners from Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. So um, if you like The Dragon Prince, then you'd like those other shows. Uh, Troll Hunters is a series that we've talked about on this show a number of times. Um, Shadow and Bone is something that I'm watching uh, periodically. I'm not like gripped by it, but it's good. It's a high production value. And that's a fantasy show that's got like magic and like it's not anything that you've seen. It's not like trolls and elves and stuff like that. It's completely different. Uh, that's TV 14 as far as the rating goes. Uh, Arcane is an excellent, excellent miniseries. Wonderful animation, high stakes drama, uh, kind of a trauma kind of warning in terms of what happens in some of the characters. Uh, so it is a bit older, I would say 16 or older. You'd want to watch that if you were, if it's a, if that's a consideration and you don't mind bloodshed, this is rated TVMA. So take this recommendation with a grain of salt, but the Witcher uh, season one was hard to follow, but still very well made. And season two was more linear. Uh, and I think good. Um, so highly recommend i just don't know if that's outside of what you would consider you know your cutoff in terms of content and um these are things that are on my list but i have not watched yet i've heard that they're good uh the mitchells versus the machines is a animated film that is nominated for best animated picture this year at the oscars and i'm hearing lots of good things about it on social media i just haven't watched it yet uh woo assassins i've heard is is good a little little corny um, but apparently that's a fun fantasy series, uh, and Ragnarok, uh, I don't remember who on this show talked about it, but somebody did. 
and and Ragnarok is um like a think like uh not teen well think like Smallville like that kind of a thing but it's based around Thor so it's like this kid hmm. in in I think Norway um that's going through life but he's like reincarnated Thor and he's like 16 or 17 or something like that I don't remember the exact premise but it you you, you kind of get the idea from the poster <laughs> you know it's like you know very attractive <laughs> young man with lightning behind him sort of deal um but I've heard I've heard it's good I've heard I've heard good things and I'm pretty sure if we looked it up you could find it um on on this show at least being mentioned at once uh, this email came in just before we hit record so that's why I'm kind of squeezing all this in but those I mean that's enough to get you started for me Alistair what what, what would you recommend um for Alistair uh, with an I uh, well before I do I just want to say like Jurassic Park as a starting point for all of this fantastic I um uh, that has probably been the biggest highlight of my cinema going experience as a kid uh, as a little shameless self-plug, if you go to alistairmcfly.com and go to writing, I actually have what that experience was like and just how cinema was different back then for anybody who's interested. Um, but in terms of recommendations for things, uh, one that uh, I believe we'll end up talking to in a little bit is Travelers. That's one that I just recently picked up. Um, Stargate, if it's still available in your region, Stargate has been leaving Netflix in a few places just because it's now been bought by Amazon. Um, it's getting a little bit harder to get hold of, but phenomenal franchise. So highly, highly recommend that one. Lost in Space is a Netflix original, but uh, I really actually quite like it. It was a very interesting reboot and take on things. Um, I wouldn't say an amazing show, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for exactly what it was, three seasons, um, and I think that it didn't really need to be any more than that, so I, I thought that was good. Uh, a British import that's kind of all over Netflix now, obviously Black Mirror, very, very dark uh, series, but some phenomenal episodes on there. What's the uh, rating you, on Black Mirror? Uh, that one, ooh, that's a good point. That I'm not sure. It's TVMA, uh, just kind of heads up. Oh, it is TVM. Yeah. I mean, that does not surprise me. It is certainly not a, a, a child a child series. Um, and then there was the, the animated series Love, Death and Robots, which I think I only saw the first. I think there's two seasons out now, if I'm mistaken. Yes, there is. Uh, I haven't finished the I haven't finished the second series, but that's also yeah. TVMA. Not that every short in the anthology is really mature but some of them are really mature yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah. kind of with with um, black mirror and love death and robots even though it's animated for for love death and death and robots i'd proceed with caution on that one yeah i'm i i've i'm a little bit out of the loop as to what's still on netflix um i've i've mentioned i'm not going to go into detail but not all that keen on on the platform myself but um so i'm trying to remember what ones i've seen that i did enjoy um but Given my podcast, I think I would be uh, remiss if I didn't say all of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, if you <laughs> if you haven't seen it, please do 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 that. And when you do, if you especially if you haven't seen them before, you have a companion show <laughs> that yes. you can listen to in long range sensors. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's great. Well, I'll uh, I'll kick off what we've been watching in detail in the main chat. Uh, this is a Disney Plus series that i have mentioned on the show before i finally got around to finishing star wars the bad batch 
Uh, so not on Netflix, but for those of you that do have Disney Plus, um, I have swung around on The Bad Batch. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying it's worth watching the season in its entirety. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, especially the finale the of the season one, the last three episodes. Every once in a while with these animated series, they did it with some of the episodes in series in episode um, season seven of the Clone Wars. Uh, they've done it with certain episodes of Rebels where, um, spoiler, Vader shows up. Um, in this particular um, series, they kick this off with Order 66 happening. And you see the effects of that within the ranks of the clone troopers. And the Bad Batch are these genetically, I think they were like, um, not well they were genetically manipulated but they were basically like mistakes they were clones that didn't come out quite right but then one of the kaminoans recognized that that diversity had strength in it and they were augmented to like enhance those kind of like weird traits that they had and it's i mean it looks kind of like teenage mutant ninja turtles right like you got the big guy who's all muscle not a lot of brains you've got the nerdy guy with the glasses they call them goggles i think um and so uh, you have all these archetypes, you know, you get the leader mm. who's, who's Hunter and he's like a tracker. Uh, he, and he's got good leadership skills and stuff. Uh, and then one of the clones from, um, from the clone wars, uh, they actually rescued and he becomes one of the bad batch, uh, cause he's been manipulated and stuff by, by bad guys and stuff. So like, um, physically he's got like, he's missing an arm. So he's got like a droid piece on him and things like that. Anyway. Uh, the timeline that the Bad Batch takes place is what I find so interesting about it. Um, the character drive for the story is that Omega is a young female clone and she's only, I think she's only 10 or 12. And she's essentially a, a sister to all of the clone troopers, which I think is a really interesting premise, which means that she's related to Boba Fett in terms of genetics right? It would be as if Boba Fett had a daughter clone instead of a, a son clone. Sorry, so is, uh, is no, Jango just... Fett, Jango Fett, not Boba Fett. Um, yeah. So is, is this them just kind of altering DNA to get a female version? I guess or... so. Yeah. That's, that's, they don't go into the science of it, but essentially she's okay. the one clone and she wasn't aged up. So she came out as a, I think an infant. And so technically so like Boba Fett in that. Yeah. Moment. Yes. Yeah. Like Boba Fett, but, but, um, a clone of Django like Boba Fett, but then not like the clone troopers and that they were cloned and like came out as adults. And mm. what's really interesting is that she technically is older than the bad batch in terms of how long she's been alive. <laughs> right. Despite that they're all grown <laughs> men. And yeah, anyway, um, she ends up being like a stowaway with them on their missions. They end up being, um, kind of like surrogate family for her. And, um, because the, this is all happening at the time that the empire is rising as the Republic is falling. I don't really understand the, 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 the political timeline. Cause I could have, I thought that Sidious dissolved the Senate and the Republic just kind of went away, but I, it's not as cut and dry as that in this series. Um, but there's lots of really cool Easter eggs for people that watch the Clone Wars. Um, there are uh, really cool moments for people that are parents because like you've got these five, you know, um, super troopers that end up being different aspects of a father. Like she gets different mm. 
kind of father or older brother vibes from all of these people. And she's quite capable too. She's not a damsel in distress, which is a great theme. I love that they don't, that's not always default now for female characters. Um, so she's a strong, um, young kid, which is great. Um, the only thing that I would say about mid season, um, they get into a series of episodes where they're running contracts for, I call her the lizard lady. Cause I can never remember her name. She's voiced by Rhea Perlman from, <laughs> from cheers. Um, Sid is the name of the character. Uh, and that has kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon vibe to it. Like you got to do this job because I told you to, because I've got leverage on you because I know where you live. Like it's just, it's all very smarmy and he, she's, she's not a bad person, but she's kind of like the, the criminal underbelly um, mother of the situation. And mm. so it's, it, it, it's kind of predictable, which is what I didn't like about it. Uh, then in the final three episodes. And so spoiler warning, I'm trying not to just drop too much info, but I, it's hard to talk about without really removing um, some of the cool moments from, from people's uh, experience. But the final three episodes, uh, Hunter gets kidnapped by Crosshair, who is one of their crew who did not defect. He decided that he liked the empire and he wanted to be part of the empire, not the Republic. Uh, and so he's a bad guy and, um, he's being brought back to the empire, which is slowly becoming more and more powerful. And there's some absolutely incredible, all I can say is giant air quotes, star Wars moments in the last three episodes where like they find a giant, you know, secret base. They, uh, have to have like starship battles. There's on the ground battles. There's no lightsabers cause there's no Jedi in this, but but they they do all kinds of really cool stuff. The stakes are high because of where it is in the timeline. You don't know if these characters survive or not. So it's, it's pretty cool in that way. Um, and there are some epic moments of like star cruisers, bombarding cities, uh, dark, uh, empire, like, you know, fire at will commander, like just stuff like that, that just kind of makes your goosebumps kind of tingle. Uh, when you're watching Star Wars. So again, really slow middle to the series. The stuff with Sid, you kind of have to roll your eyes and like, all right, well, I guess I'm along for this ride. Some of the characters are pretty soft. Um, but the beginning and the end of the series were really, really well done. And and it it definitely has your um your starship spaceship quota throughout the series. Like you get to see a lot of cool ships and technology, which is great. Uh, and, like new designs or uh, just new designs or, or augments on certain designs or mm. um, just the amount of things that you like flybys and the pacing. Like that's something that I think they get a lot in the cartoons is that when they move to a different location, they start off with some slow music and then like the silent, there's no dialogue. It's just the sound of a ship coming out of hyperspace and descending to the planet. And then the ship, descending through the atmosphere and landing on the platform. And it's not until like the, the gangplank is down and the characters are out that there's any speaking. And I like that about star Wars. Like I like that pace about just like, look at the ship, look at this planet, look at this environment, you know, look at how the, you, you get scale, like look at the size of this ship compared to the size of this ocean. And so you get the, the, the scale of things without someone saying, 
over comms. Wow, that's a really big ocean, which is painful as an adult watching that kind of stuff. So they do a lot of visual communication and, and scene setup, which I think I like. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend it. I, I am happy to say that I was wrong. I think I, I did some snap judgment about it. Um, it's a terrible name. I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there. I'll agree with myself back when I first talked about it. The Bad Batch is a dumb name. What they should have called it is the Omega Squad because Omega is the name of the 12-year-old kid, right? And even though she's not the leader, she's the reason why they do anything, right? Protecting her okay. is like the reason why they do anything. And so the Omega Squad is a way cooler name and would have had me clicking on it going like, ooh, what's this? Not the Bad Batch? Like, it's just... It screams yeah. like after school special, like you're the weird kids. It's okay to be weird. Like just, it's not, not the best, uh, but yeah. it, it, everything else within it is, is good. I, I, I struggle. I, I watched, I definitely watched the first episode. I think I may have bailed partway through the second. Yeah. I was just struggling to get into it. Now you've mentioned that there was some t callbacks to like the Clone Wars. I still haven't even gotten around to watching that. It is something that I want to do, especially as they kind of, that's the one that they brought back recently. So yeah, Clone Wars had a season seven, which aired like five or six years after season, season six and was a Disney yes. plus yeah. only. And in Clone Wars season seven, the first four episodes are the origin story of the Bad Batch. Right. So, because this is what I was going to ask is, do, would you say that Clone Wars is kind of required viewing? And that might even be why I had a, a tough time with it because I felt like I was missing stuff. I would say Clone what Wars is isn't required viewing. I would maybe go back and watch the first four episodes of season seven of Clone Wars. And the okay. reason I say that is because Clone Wars is very, season seven of Clone Wars is very easily separated into the Bad Batch story and Ahsoka Tano. And the Bad mm. Batch, I remember watching season seven going like, why am I spending all of this time with these four new characters that I do not care about <laughs> when what I want is season seven of Ahsoka and Anakin. Like, I want to know what happens. Mm. And uh, it turns out that they were using that to launch this show, right? So you right. can still go back and watch season seven of Clone Wars, the first few episodes, get what you need to know about the Bad Batch, and then not, <laughs> not have to worry about, like, then come back and watch the rest of season seven later. Um, season seven is, or not season seven, but, um, the Clone Wars is a hard to approach thing because it's an older show. It's aimed mm. at a really young audience in the first few seasons. Uh, think like first two seasons of Star Trek Next Generation, uh, compared yeah. to later seasons. And so yeah. the first two seasons are kind of things that you're going to want to have on the background. And then when you get into like season three and four, when Ahsoka gets a little bit older, um, then it starts to be like, you'll notice yourself starting to sit down and watch, <laughs> you know, um, rather than just kind of going through the motions. Um, it's also old model. So like, think like 22 half an hour animated shows in a season, mm. which means that there's a lot of filler. It's not the Netflix 10, you know, it's the network 25 or 22. But, so yeah. it's hard that way. Like here's an entire episode about R2D2. It's like, this is cute, but I really don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like that kind of stuff is hard to watch. Well, maybe it's worth putting in the background whilst I'm, I'm fixing my game boys. Mm. Perhaps it would probably be a pretty good series to have on in, in the background when you're doing something like that. So what have you been watching, my friend? One show that I've been watching, which is not new, but is new to me, uh, which I just mentioned previously, was Travelers. Uh, this is a show by Brad Wright, who is the co-creator of Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis and Stargate Universe. He also 
made the rebooted Outer Limits series back in the 90s. And he has a podcast called The Companion, which I listen to partly because we're all hoping for more information about the Stargate series that he's hoping to make that was a little bit up in the air because Amazon suddenly bought MGM in the middle of him trying to sort out a deal for it. And he's constantly kind of going on going like, if you haven't seen Travelers, you need to see it. And I finally managed to find the time to sit down and my God, he was right. I, I think it is a fantastic show. For those who don't know, um, it's essentially a time travel show with some body swapping and there's a lot of conspiracy theories all kind of mixed in. And it's it's really a fantastic premise. What happens is that you've got these time travelers who are from a few centuries in the future and they've managed to get the technology to implant their consciousness into another body and then eventually be able to do that through time as well. And what they do is they find people who were just about to die and they overwrite that person. And so that's kind of how they're going back. So they're not physically transferring themselves. They're just transferring their consciousness. But it does overwrite the original host. So that person is dead. But they were about to die anyway. So the, the series lead, which is Eric McCormick, he plays Traveler 3468. And he goes into the host of an FBI agent called Grant McLaren. And he was about to fall down an elevator shaft. So he's now taken over his life and is now having to live the life of Grant. So his wife is no longer going to be a widow uh, and so on. But there's a whole bunch of them that have come back as a team. And I'm not going to spoil too much in terms of what happens, but some of the information that they have in the future is not accurate. One of them, one of the hosts they believed died from a drug overdose the very first time that he tried drugs. Turns out that wasn't actually right. The historical records are wrong and he has an addiction. And so the traveler who ends up inhabiting his body also inherits the drug addiction as well. So you see him suddenly struggling with withdrawal uh, and stuff. Um, but it, it's just, it's a phenomenal show whilst they're trying to figure out this, there's this giant cataclysm that's going to happen and they're all trying to make little changes in the past, uh, to do this whilst following all sorts of different protocols. Like, uh, the mission always comes first is their number one protocol, which is, it's kind of like the, um, the prime directive right? Okay. For, for Star Trek. And then you've got ones like protocol five, which is, when there's no mission that they're on, they have to just continue their hosts' lives exactly as it is. But people start getting suspicious. And so there's a whole load of stuff uh, that, that's going on, and, and it's great. There's some brilliant side characters as well. And I think probably one of the, the breakout ones for me was a character called David. So he's not a host. Um, he's not one of the travelers, but he is just one of the kindest, most gen generous people that you've probably ever seen on television. He is a social worker. He goes out helping the homeless and with all of the, um, I'd say the moral questioning you might have 
behind some of the characters and the motivations from the director in the future, who is this person who's, you know, who's organizing like what changes need to be made to bring about a good future. He is just like this beaming, shining beacon of hope in the entire thing. And it's always just very uplifting uh, to, to see his character on there. And for anyone who is a Stargate fan, Amanda Tapping, who played um, Samantha Carter, she is both in this and she directs, and she is a fantastic director. Uh, that's kind of what she's moved on from, from acting. Acting still something she does from time to time, but directing is kind of her main gig now. Uh, so it's, it's great seeing her. There's a few other Stargate um, actors who kind of come in because of Brad Wright's involvement. Cool. And yeah, and there's only three seasons. It got cancelled. And I think that's why I didn't watch it. As much as a time travel fan that I am, I was put off a little bit when I found out that it had been cancelled. It was originally a Showtime show for the first two seasons. Showtime cancelled it. Netflix bought it and made a third season, but then they cancelled it as well. And I'm just like, so is there any point in me going in and seeing this? Brad Wright has done to Travelers as he did to Stargate Universe. Um, so Stargate Universe cancelled after two seasons. He had a feeling it might be. So the way he ends Stargate Universe is here's an actual ending, but it's open-ended. So it could be picked up later if we wanted to. Right. The option is there. It's the same with this. You actually get a surprising closure. I think he must have gotten wind or had a feeling that this could be it. Um, and so you do get a satisfying end with a very open ending in the same way that you can have a standalone movie that has an open ending. It's like, ooh, what could happen next? Could it open up a sequel? Um, so it has that. So anybody who's kind of worried of it just kind of being left on a dangling thread, I would say, no, you actually get closure for a lot of stuff, which um, I'm really glad about. I didn't know that going in. I, I decided, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to risk it. Uh, but for anybody who that does bring hesitation about, I would say uh, it's it's fine in that regard. Sometimes when something has a finite end, it's almost easier to get into. Now, on the flip side, if you're halfway through season one of like Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop on Netflix and you know it's canceled and you don't like it, well, just bail. Like, why, why bother? <laughs> right? uh, yeah. That's something Brockett mentioned last week. But but when it comes to approaching a new series, like I look at something like, I don't know, Supernatural. I know it's not my show. Like I've heard enough about it. Like, meh, whatever. I've seen a couple of episodes way back when, when it was on the air. But I look at 14 seasons and I go, no, there's just no way. I'm just not interested in watching something for that long. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I feel like um, I find, excuse me, uh, I find miniseries or shorter seasons a lot more approachable. Um, I enjoy the feeling of getting into something where it's eight to 10 episodes long. You're starting to like it and you're starting to watch two episodes a day. And then you go, oh, whoa, wow, I need to pace myself. There's only four left. <laughs> Like oh, I need yeah. to, I, cause I don't know how long it's going to be before Netflix or whoever the streaming service provider is that usually, cause usually this happens with the, the, the properties that are like prime originals or Netflix originals or whatever. Um, you don't know how long it's going to be before the next season, if there's going to be a next season. So, uh, I tend to pace myself as best, as best I can, but I find it daunting when there's more than three seasons. I kind of go, Oh, I don't know. Um, 
but I find that something that has only three seasons, um, I would look, I would probably look to see whether it was like canceled prematurely or whether it was just like, this is just meant to be a three season arc. I hope more, more projects are like that. I'd rather have a complete three seasons with an ending rather than we might be canceled, but we'd do this forever if we could, you know, like I, I prefer mm. like a finite story. Yeah. And, and this one was like 12 episodes for the first two seasons. And then season three was just 10 episodes because Netflix, obviously they, they like their 10 as well. Um, but yeah, it was, I, and I found it very binge watching. I mean, you're saying like you find yourself watching two episodes. I, I was finding myself watching many more than that in a row. Um, I was actually surprised by how much I was, uh, I was getting invested in, in this. I, I, I just think that the characters and the pacing is, is really good in it. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you are getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server and other benefits depending on where you're supporting things like bonus episodes and new stuff coming. I've got some work to do on the Patreon page, so expect some changes there. Uh, patron count is at 26. Check that this morning. That's up one from last week. Our goal each month is to have at least one more person than the month before we've met that. But hey, there's always room for more. If you would like to be patron number 27, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Now, I say that and the Citadel Cafe Discord is actually shared with my own personal Discord. There are over 100 members of the Discord. So it's not this little teeny place <laughs> with 24 people or 27 people hanging out. Um, but uh, it's a shared uh, nerdy space. And I'm biased, but it's one of the nicest places on the internet. And I really appreciate it. This show has been a long run passion project. And for anybody that's come on new in the last month, you should have received a personal message from me. But if you haven't seen it yet, then thank you ever so much. It's really, really cool to have the Citadel Cafe growing in support. It means that we can do a lot more with the show. Surprising no one, my pick this week is Lego related. Lego Horizon Forbidden West Tallneck set. Uh, it is slated to be released in May this year retailing for $80 US, which is probably closer to hundred bucks in Canada. And it is 1,222 pieces, 34 centimeters or 13.5 inches tall, 23 centimeters or nine inches wide and 17 centimeters or 16.5 inches deep. Uh, nearly a, or a little over a foot tall is actually pretty tall for this kind of a set. Uh, I own Horizon Zero Dawn, the first game in the series on PC, but I've not yet played it. I picked it up on a Steam sale over Christmas. Uh, I still want this set, though. I, I'd imagine <laughs> anybody that's a fan of the series or a fan of the brand new game that just came out for PlayStation or is coming out this week uh, is just going bananas. Like, it is a really cool, cool set. Um, and for those that don't know, um, Horizon Forbidden West is the sequel in a post-apocalyptic, I want to say future world where, again, I don't know much because I haven't played the game, but animals essentially are robotic or there are robotic animals around and some of them look like dinosaurs. And uh, this um, tall neck is what looks like, like, kind of like a brontosaurus maybe, but then its head is like a giant satellite dish or something. It's really, really cool. Uh, and, and has a unique kind of vibe to it. And boy, did they do a good job from the trailer stuff that I've seen compared to the Lego model. Like it's really close more closer than I would expect 
a, a Lego model to be um, for this kind of kind of thing. But I, I imagine that any fans of the game are just like, this is just epically cool. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not familiar with the series at all. I'm just having a look at the link that you've uh, that you've got in the show notes. And yeah, that's a very, very different design to even the stuff that you normally get from Lego. Yeah, no, it's well. re- it's really well done. So like tip of the hat to the Lego designers that worked on it. And it's it's one of those things like I don't even I haven't even played the game yet. And and uh, you'd, you'd recognize the property. If you saw the main character, you'd like, yeah, I've seen that at an advertisement somewhere. You yeah, know, it, that's that's when the new trailers come out. Like I've seen that and it's like that character I have definitely seen in, in promo art before. Yeah, um, I see a lot but, of cosplay. Like I don't know her name, but uh, the female hmm. protagonist in the game, I've seen a lot of women cosplayers do some epic-looking cosplay, and and hmm. and do that at, at different conventions. But that's it for me. It's another quick Lego pick. Um, I might have to just create a whole section for Lego on the show. <laughs> Quite possibly, but hey, that'd be great. What's your pick this week, my friend? Uh, mine's from a YouTube channel called Retro Recipes. Uh, it's a guy called Christian Simpson who is doing things that I would love to do if I had both the money and the skill. He deals with a lot of retro stuff. He deals with, um, like, he's even modded arcade one-up cabinets. So he's got a Star Wars one that he made to be a fully enclosed sit-down cabinet like the original. And he's recently been releasing a, a few videos where he's been converting his Tesla into kit from Knight Rider. Obviously, there's been a lot of Knight Rider uh, replica cars over the years, but he's kind of like, given that Tesla cars have the ability to drive themselves, how close to making it like kit can I make it? Not just adding just the scanner bar and things, but he even replaces the steering wheel with a Gullwing steering wheel. Um, I think it's how it's called, where basically it's not a full circle. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, Uh, he's modding his... uh, there's, There's an app that I've used before it's like a, a kit simulator for your phone and he's got that so he can actually talk with it he's, he's putting speakers in and he's doing all sorts and basically just trying to see like how close he can make it so there's a couple of videos that he's done there um really quite interesting with just how far he's he's able to push this uh with it really um but yeah and he's, he's just he's a christian simpson is just a, a delight to to watch every time he's actually done some voiceover work for a lot of stuff he's been involved in star wars and marvel and he often does a lot of the audio descriptions for a lot of stuff so oh, cool he, he does things uh, elsewhere as well so you may have even heard his voice without even realizing it i i can see that skill being easily translatable to do youtube videos as well like if they're a voiceover oh, yeah. artist they're probably really easy to listen to right oh really really yeah and he's he's british but living in the u.s and he often gets his family and his dogs involved. And he is a fan of puns. Every pun is intentional. <laughs> uh, it's great. So if you love puns, you will get right out. And, and he's always got little speech bubbles for his dog. So he'll be saying stuff and his dog's just basically providing commentary in the background, which is, is always quite a, an amusing uh, addition to his videos too. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Alistair and I talked about at the thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com and find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. While you're out there, if you want to leave us a rating or a review on Spotify or on Apple iTunes, that goes a long way to get the podcast into the ear holes of new listeners. 
My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we interviewed Slice Lime from Mojang this past week. It was a lot of fun. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. And today I will point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I'm streaming at least three times a week. Some of it is modded Minecraft and the rest is the Citadel where I'm doing a big medieval project in that uh, in that server. Alistair is a member of that server. People can find you online where, my friend? Everything that I'm doing, you can just find at alistairmcfly.com. And as we've already mentioned, I have my own podcast. It's a Star Trek retrospective series called Long Range Sensors. We offer a British perspective on growing up with the franchise. And each month we pick up an episode from the original series all the way up to Star Trek Enterprise to revisit. So if you fancy joining us at the final frontier, you can listen to the show and find out more over longrangesensors.com. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.